0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Log on today to bet on your favorite games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, basically any esport you can come up with for the chance to win awesome prizes like the Logitech G633 headset that I'm using right now. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King-Wassener. I am the Editor-in-Chief and Analyst for Imperial Esports. And welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast, where the only thing rougher than our pick-and-ban phase is our inability to stick to a tagline with any of these podcasts. We did it for like three of them, and then we just dropped it. I don't know why. We really should have kept that gimmick going. But, of course, when I say we, I'm referring to my good pal, Walter C80s FedChuck, writer for... Slingshot Esports. Walter, how are you doing, man?
1: I am lying on my deathbed with the flu that my fiancé brought home, but I managed to swing my my head up, throw on my headset, and bring you people what you want, which is a podcast about the promotional tournament that is happening this weekend.
0: Yeah, well, we were originally going to do a podcast on two promotion tournaments that were supposed to be happening this weekend. And then suddenly, Riot releases a statement that says that North America is not going to be competing this week because they are trying to make sure that everyone is legally able to participate. If you want to read the statement, you should go to, I believe it's on lolesports.com now. You can see what their reasoning was. At the same time, I think that a lot of the ways it's been summarized on social media for once people seem to have a very good understanding of exactly what it sounds like probably being exactly what it is it, it felt like riot's hand was forced sky made actually a great point on twitter that it felt like there were a few teams that were pushing an agenda and that's how it came off which certainly isn't the way riot probably intended that to come off but it did feel that way Walter, what was your first reaction when you saw this statement released?
1: Okay, get ready for the bleeps, because yeah. uh, there's going to be quite a few of them in this, because this is a level of idiocy that I have not seen from Riot in a very, very long time. This isn't malice. There's no question that it's it's not malice. It's This is stupid. This is really goddamn f***ing stupid. <laughs> didn't we just have to deal with this like six weeks ago with the lcs and no one no one in their right minds said you know what guys we might have another issue with teams that play in north america not having their players on visas which granted basically the challenger scene is a wild west where riot kind of just throws darts at a board and goes well f- Get, let's do it. Let's do this this time. Let's get rid of the ladder and make this random qualification tournament. I, I, I don't know. Let's do whatever <laughs> we want. Darts. There we go. And it does not surprise me that two weeks before the promotional tournament, whatever head that's in charge of everything said, Hey guys, we got a problem here. Um, Remember that issue that we had to deal with that tanked a couple teams seasons uh in both north america and europe we forgot one important detail um there's a challenger scene and a couple of those teams might make it into the lcs and we need to have them play by the same rules that the lcs teams are right now like literally like before they play like you know how we make sure they don't have anyone under the age of 17 and that they have a roster that's uh, three-fifths North American? Yeah, we need to make sure the other two on their team are actually legal to work in the United States. Uh, we got to have that done by uh, four o'clock. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, because that's not a lengthy legal process or anything. It's stupid. It's really goddamn fucking stupid. And I'm not surprised. Like, I laughed. I saw it. I was like, you're shitting me. This is hilarious. This is this is wonderful and I'm laughing in a way that is so bitterly sarcastic and so acidic that I I I can't help it. I'm I'm so frustrated I can't help but laugh at this.
0: Yeah. Obviously, we don't know what happened here. The exact tweet from Sky End that I, I referenced earlier was, I assume I won't be the first to interpret this as, we've been convinced by LCS owners to impose stricter rules on their competition, which is exactly how it comes off, by the way. It does not come off like Riot made any of these decisions on their own or because they felt like it was best for the game, for themselves, for the product, whatever. In fact, they did everything in their power to make it clear that They weren't going to do this in Europe, even though Europe should theoretically be given the exact same cross-examination. For whatever reason, we've decided that in Europe, because working visas are super complicated to get because we picked the one country that doesn't recognize esports in all of Europe to continue playing things. We've just decided we're going to ignore it there because we don't want to screw people over like we did the last time we screwed over Europe horrendously. But for everyone else in North America, we don't mind
1: screwing you guys over so much. The, the exact two sentences that are in the LOL Esports official like, press release uh, that probably made Sky and think that, and a, a number of other analysts think that there's some dirty backhand dealings going on. As we move towards the upcoming promotion tournament, NALCS. Team owners have identified this historical precedent as potentially damaging to the competitive fairness of the tournament. We agree that a team playing with work-ineligible players could be seen as having an unfair advantage against LCS teams who have gone through, often lengthy, work-eligibility processes." except for the fact that you didn't do that at the
0: beginning of this LCS season. And, oh, by the way, the entirety of Challenger's previous experience is you're allowed to have players who aren't quite ready to go. That's why you're allowed to have guys in your Challenger team who are under 17. It's really, really stupid. And it's stupid because Riot thinks that we won't recognize that there are so many other ways of dealing with it. For example... They could do what they're doing in Europe, which is next time we'll totally take care of it, but this time we're going to let it slide. Why aren't we introducing the same rules in Europe as we are in North America? Just because I, I literally don't have any explanation otherwise. It's, it's so, I almost feel like they shouldn't have even brought it up in, in the whole thing because by bringing it up, they, they immediately force us to draw the comparison and you
1: start realizing that their logic makes no sense. So my, my only argument for Europe, the, the literal only argument, and it's probably completely dashed by the fact that the European Union exists, but teams operate in different countries. Yeah. Maybe that's why, you know, a team doesn't necessarily all live in Germany. They might have players that are Spanish and Belgian and, and French and whatever, and so they're pulling right. them from all across. That's literally the only reason I can think of, And and... You're about to say, right, but they could all work legally because of the European Union. So I, exactly! I don't I know! You know who the one guy is who would have gotten them in trouble? Holy Phoenix, the Turkish guy. That's why they're
0: not doing it. I guarantee you, that is... The only player on any of these challenger teams that is potentially a risk is Holy Phoenix. And they didn't want to risk it. That's why this has happened. That That's... I mean, that is literally... The only thing I can come up with, that or Giants Gaming has not gotten Wisdom and Sunstar their stuff yet,
1: and they rushed them over and prayed that Riot wouldn't call them out I, on it. I, I think this is way more of an issue for for North America, where someone on Reddit the other day, and I, I can't find the comment, but basically broke down all the players that are potentially affected by
0: this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a much wider group, but that's why it's so much more important that Riot gets this right, and why Riot understands why these rules need to be put in place, and how to put them into effect. I mean, the thing at the end of the day is Riot had a whole bunch of time in which they could have taken care of this. For example, the beginning of the season. Week two, when they first decided to do this for the LCS, they could have made a decision on this. Uh, Before the Challenger playoffs, for instance. There is no reason that this should have happened now. This is not catching them off guard. They've had literally this issue to deal with within recent memory. It is impossible that their memory is so short that they forgot that they had all these visa issues just recently and how much time those visa issues took to fix. We have a concrete example of how long it took for Renegades, Impulse, Echo Fox, all these teams to get back up to their full roster. We know how much time it takes. It's not as much time as they're giving all these challenger teams. Either Riot is even more ridiculous when it comes to the challenger scene than even I thought, and I had very low expectations for how they handled it as a general rule over the last couple of years, as you guys know if you listen to this podcast, or like those two senses you pointed out, there are some LCS owners specifically in North America, perhaps the same ones that were implicated in the Richard Lewis comments earlier on in the split. Who knows? I'm obviously not in North America. I don't see those backroom kind of things. But there does seem to be some indication that these same factors are popping up again. And that's just disappointing. It's disappointing that Riot would allow those kinds of things to to make the decision for them. Because if we can wait for Europe, we can wait for North America too. And if we couldn't wait for either of these regions, it could have gotten taken care of a long time ago. It was not in the rule book. It's it's not something that was in the challenger rules. I've looked. It's not there. I don't understand. I, I literally do not understand how they are justifying this to themselves unless they are appeasing other people that they need to keep happy. And if that's true, I don't know if that's better or worse, but at least then it makes sense, I guess. I, I mean, at the end of the day, like... I guess we just have to wait and see if it does actually affect the North American childhood scene. If everyone's fine and the visas all get fixed ahead of time and everything's good to go, then awesome, I guess. If it doesn't, suddenly the legitimacy of getting into the LCS is compromised. And most importantly, it means that we've now created a system in which it is okay to retroactively make rules and enforce them at the last second, which is not a precedent I think riot wants to set'm i 'm very happy by the way, for the record, I have no problem with checking visas and whatever else. as a general rule, you should legally be allowed to work somewhere before you start working there. I have no problem with this. I think that is a very fair thing for riot to ask but this is the same company that does week-long behavior checks on every player that potentially plays on their stage. They could have checked for Visa documents at any point. They chose not to until now it might be too late. And at best, that's irresponsible. It's very hard to see. This is a smart move. I try not to attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity, and maybe it is just Riot completely forgot again, but it, it feels very weird. I'm not a fan. Uh, obviously, we both feel quite strongly about this. It,
1: stupid. It, yeah, it's, it's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. It's really... It, 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 it's, it's stupid and it's not stupid. It's not stupid to make sure everybody has visas. Totally agree on that point. The timing is stupid. The fact that LCS owners are influencing the rules for something that is built to potentially pull them out of the LCS is stupid. Riot as we're, we continue to hear that franchising is going to happen, franchising is going to happen, that's what the summer into next spring is, That that's the goal, that's the long-term plan here. We're trying to, you know, whatever. That's what we're hearing rumblings about in the background. You can't have a really structured professional league, which it's semi-structured now, it's actually pretty structured right now, and have the fucking Wild West be the amateur scene underneath it that's supposed to feed into this professional league. Right. That's when you have problems that arise. That's when you have people threatening players or poaching players or not paying players recent, you know, decent amounts. Uh, in Heroes of the Storm, a semi-pro team is now in the middle of a potential lawsuit with their former organization when that organization offered them contracts that were ridiculous. $900 a year they were going to give the players only 4% of all their tournament earnings, only 5% over their revenue streams. Heroes of the Storm has no overarching body of any kind, so crazy shit like that can happen. <laughs> stuff not to that degree, stuff not that insane, stuff that you can't even imagine that those players ever would have considered those contracts, which they didn't. That's why they left the organization. But when you have a body that can potentially put rules into effect to protect not only the players, the organizations from themselves, you know, players from organizations, players from themselves, organizations from players, organizations from themselves, organizations from Riot, challenger organizations from LCS organizations, whatever, you need to put those rules into effect. You need to clearly define what you are doing to the organizations, to the internal, the rest of the world doesn't need to know. You know, the average fan doesn't need to know that there's this one rule written way down deep. It says Jack and Steve and Reggie and Odie and and George and uh, Monte Cristo and all these guys in the LCS can't make any amendments. They can't suggest any rule changes. They can't have any influence in the governing body of the Challenger Series and how their rules work. No lame man, no normal fan is really going to care about that until like this happens where you say it yourself, LCS team owners have identified this to us. Yeah. They should have no impact in that decision. That's my problem with it. What we usually refer to this as is
0: conflict of interest. No duh, North American owners who are already in the LCS want to make things as hard for challenger teams as possible. It is in their best interest to do it. Now, in this case, Making sure the players are legally allowed to work, I don't think that's a controversial thing for LCS owners to want. But the timing is certainly suspicious. And at the end of the day, Riot is the one who's making the rule set. Riot is the one who publishes it on their site. And they didn't include this. It should have been included. I thought the fact that it took until Season 6 for us to finally check people's visas was ridiculous. I thought, you know, when we talked about it in in Week 2... You know the, the idea was less, I can't believe they're checking, and more, how in the world were they not checking beforehand? So I'm not against the idea as a whole, but you can't change your rules on the fly, especially when the rules are being changed by people who have such a big conflict of interest by it, or at least if not changed by them, at least heavily influenced. It is not a good look for Riot. It's not a good look for the challenger scene, but of course it is the challenger scene, so people are going to forget And it's just going to get drifted to the wayside. And people like you and I will be the only ones who are still mad about this a month from now. But it's another disappointing decision from Riot. I I hope that moving forward, they are very clear about the rules on these things. And that there are no more sudden rule changes at the last minute. Especially rule changes that they're not willing to put into Europe. If they really thought this was such an important thing to do, Europe would be waiting as well. They clearly don't. So... I don't want to hear that argument. either. They they could do it. They're not. But let's just be clear about that and move on. And we are going to move on to the fall of an organization in the challenger scene that we have to talk about because it's newsworthy. We're not going to talk, spend very long on it, but Ember is no more. The flame has burned out on this organization. Probably about as quickly as, as most people expected once we saw how big their salaries were. Do you have anything you'd like to say to recognize their passing, Walter?
1: I I think they had very good ideas. I think that they had good intentions uh, that played off as ego-driven as opposed to anything actual, actually helpful or anything actually useful. I think they were given more money than God, and they misused it. I think that they, it, they overpaid incredibly for some of these players, and I am all for paying players more money. I'm totally for it, but there is an argument about keeping things sustainable, and I, I think that's kind of what happened here. I don't think that this is a okay to other organizations to pay their players like mm-hmm. I don't think that's what this needs to be turned into of, okay, I'm starting a new org. Okay, guess what? I'm going to pay you $1,000 a month, and you're going to like it. Or I'm going to pay you $1,000 a month, but then I'll make up the rest of that by offering you some sort of housing and food, and that's then that's what will make this all above board. That's, I don't agree with that. I also think that their emphasis on non-play, they really emphasized Weldon Green, sports psychology, all that jazz, which I think there is a place for. But I think the primary, that that needs to be secondary to the actual play, to the actual training of how these players get better. And I don't know what their regime was for that. I don't know what in terms of their game knowledge preparation was for the players. I I don't know any of that stuff, so I'm not going to speculate. But I'm seeing across the board, and it started with CLG, teams focusing now more on let's, get their heads right. Let's do this. Let's do all this stuff that's sort of out of game thing. We aren't seeing TSM has brought in Shy to be a top lane coach. And what Shy is going to be doing is Haunters now has a regimen, now has a two hour program that all the other players have their own individual two hour programs that we've created to help get him better at his position. And then after that, there will be an hour meeting with Weldon Green and to get their minds wrapped around it the right way. And then after that, there's going to be an hour of game knowledge training to get everyone to the point that they understand trades and it becomes second nature. Just like the argument of why Faker is the best player in the world is that he understands when he has 400 health and his opponent has 500 health, he knows how how he can interact with his opponent. He knows how to trade. He knows how to do all that. I'm not seeing any of that. I'm seeing more of this okay, let's make sure the head's in the right place, let's make sure they know how to meditate, clear their mind, let's get the pressure off of them. I get the point, but I think that they're spending too much time inside the players' heads doing the wrong thing. It's weird, and I think Ember was one of those teams that focused a little too much on that, focused too much on everything else going outside the players, and didn't put enough time and effort into making sure they had the best players possible, worth that price, and making sure they were the best players. Not people. Players. Because at the end of the day, you can be the greatest person on the planet, but your goal as a professional League of Legends player is to win a world championship. And after you win one, win another, and another, and so on and so forth. And I just don't think it was there. I don't think they had the right mindset for it. Nah, I don't think they did either. I am... Less
0: kind to their intentions than you are. I think we talked about it when we did our big mega salary podcast that people only remember five minutes of, but had a huge section on Ember. And it felt to me like a company that was coming in and thought that they were going to change the game. You know, they have all this money, they have all this historic business acumen, they had a lot of former rioters. Like, we know how to make this work to our favor. We're smarter than everyone else. We're, we have better infrastructure than everyone else. We are going to blow everyone out of the water. And that didn't happen, obviously. And when you have people like that who say things like, you know, we're not trying to get better players, we're trying to make better people because we believe better people will be better players. Like, that kind of thing is what you say when you have so little respect for the organizations around you like what the other organizations didn't want their players to be good people like what what is that implying what what at the end of the day what are you accomplishing with that statement it, it's it's so clearly something that was formulated uh after focus testing in a marketing room that somebody did as part of a college project of some sort like it's everything about them was calculated the way they released the player salaries was calculated but the way they actually ran the organization was anything but I mean, Kleeb was signed to like a $70,000 deal, maybe even more than that, and then cut within a couple of weeks. I don't care what, you know, there probably was some sort of clause that they could use, but whatever it was, they probably paid him way more than you should pay someone who's not on your team after a couple of weeks. The fact that their contracts had no buyout clauses was pretty ridiculous. I don't know how you create a contract that doesn't have a buyout clause just in case. That seems very short-sighted. I think most of what Everett did was short-sighted. And at the end of the day, what matters is what you do on the Rift. And they clearly did not perform on the Rift the way they needed to. To me, they stand as, as a warning for anyone who wants to get interested in esports. If you want to invest, do so sustainably. Learn what it actually is you're investing in. Learn the costs. Learn what it takes to be successful and then start making all these posts about how you're going to change the game. Then start talking about how you're going to revolutionize things like players, unions, and whatever else. Then you earn that right. But until then, shut up and learn and then become the organization you want to be. You don't have to be there on day one. And that's the kind of hubris that I think sunk Ember at the end of the day. I, I will not miss them as an organization. I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't happy to see them lose in the Challenger series.
1: Just from the way they handled themselves. I mean, I, I was only happy to see them lose because... I don't want to see anyone lose. I want to see everyone be successful. Yeah. Uh, but I was happy to see them lose because my friend was the support player on TDK. I'm friends with Trance. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we, we did that. I did that great interview with Bishu and Kez too. So I, I was biased in that little regard as well. But <laughs> One thing I do want to point out, and it was something that on my first glance at Jacob Wolf's article, I glanced over and I, I thought nothing of it, but he made a tweet that, that captured this one paragraph and put it, put it back out, and I thought about it again. And it, it, I'm going to read another paragraph. This is directly from the article that, that Jacob Wolf wrote for Daily Dot um, regarding it, and it says, Ember's investors have no interest in continuing to financially support the organization, sources say putting a hold on the team's finances, which in turn prevents the team from fulfilling its contracts with its players. That decision was reportedly made after conversations with League Championship Series team owners, sources say, though it is not clear what exactly those conversations were about. And once again, LCS owners had some sort of impact in what's going on in the Challenger series. And after he tweeted this again, there's something funky here. It it could just very well be like, no, like, yeah, you overpaid these players. Like, you need to get out of this as quickly as possible. Fine. But this is fishy. There's something fishy here with these LCS owners having this much power. And yeah, it's, you know, it's only a rule here and it's a rule there. It's setting dangerous precedent that hopefully when Riot does create some sort of system, some sort of franchising system, is going to be balanced out. Because if it's anything that our our wonderful democracy in the United States has taught us, is that you need to balance powers. Uh-huh. You can't give one group sole power over something without having checks and balances on the other side. So this, this has me worried that there are some... There are some players, some LCS owners, not players, LCS owners that are flexing their muscles a little bit too much.
0: Yeah. I don't don't know. I'm less conspiratorial on this one, mostly because I think that the easiest conversation that they could have had was, hey, how do you guys have sustainable success? Well, first of all, we would never invest this much money in this. And second of all, in the Challenger Series in particular, taking these risks and whatever. It just felt like Ember as an organization didn't understand what it actually took to be successful. Like they hired a whole bunch of rioters because they figure, oh, well, Riot made the game. They they know how to handle the professional scene and they just kind of trusted them. But you know, this is not the first time that we've seen investors not necessarily know what they're getting into. I think that's the difference between a team like NRG and a team like Ember. NRG is adding more sponsors over time as they're proving themselves, as they're building a brand, as they're expanding into other esports. It's very gradual, but it's impressive. They're they're bringing in names that people recognize and people can get excited about. Ember tried everything at once. It threw everything at this one League of Legends team. It wasn't an expanse of different things. There weren't any safe investments in case League didn't go well. It was all into one game. It was all into... F- players that they invested very heavily in. And clearly the people that were hired by these investors were not up to the task. And if you're one of these investors, yeah, why would you keep throwing money into this pit when no one else is having this problem? When the teams that beat you are not in any way paying as much money as you did. I I wouldn't stay with that investment either. I don't blame the investors for that at all. And I, I do think it's something that as we continue in esports, it's something that I think people really need to use this as a precautionary tale. Because if you don't understand the League of Legends dynamic, if you don't understand esports in general and what the costs are and what upkeep looks like and how you need to succeed, the types of people that you need—it's a very different industry than anything else I could really point to. It's it's like a sport, but at the same time requires constant updates as patches come in, and it, it just—it's a It's a weird mix of competitive games and cerebral things and and all of these different elements. And if you don't understand that from an investing standpoint, then yeah, you're very likely to be suckered into investing way more money than you should into a team that's not going to amount to as much as you'd hope and then find yourself regretting your decision. I hope that no one does this again. We will have to see. But... You know what we don't have to wait to see, Walter? Great highlight videos on Vibby.com. You can just go to Vibby.com today and watch those, uh, which is really cool because people can make them super easily. And you can forget all about all of the negativity we just spent half an hour breaking down for you guys. You can just indulge in whatever highlights. Maybe I'll watch some Season 2 CJ Display's and really start feeling better about life. What what's your go to? What do you really want to highlight
1: series of? What I really want to highlight and I have I I keep like the past like couple weeks I've kept thinking about this moment. Back in season 3, I played in an ESL Go for Low and I outsmited and stole a red buff from like a challenger level jungler. I want to highlight that and I just would want to like put it on repeat. I would love to do that because that is like the best moment I've ever had in any form of competitive League of Legends. We won like two games against like teams like our level and then just got crushed by like an actual team that was competing to play into the LCS in season three. So it was great. That'd be the moment that I would highlight. But how would I do that? Well, Walter, all you have to do is go to Vibby.com. you take the VOD of that game, you
0: put in the timestamps, it'll automatically cut the way you want. Who knows? Maybe there's another highlight or two you can find in that go for a little game. And you can share it with your friends. There are pages for teams and some of your favorite streamers, so it's got this nice community feel to it. So go to Vibby.com today and start making highlight videos. Who knows? Maybe you'll make some highlight videos for this promotion tournament we're about to watch. It starts on March 24th, Walter, before we get into the games, I have to ask you, do you think the best challenger teams
1: are participating in this tournament? No, I, I don't. But at the same time, these are the two challenger teams we have. So I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. That's the problem. Like, I really wish we could have seen Inspire and Millennium here. But if they weren't good enough to beat Copenhagen Wolves and Huma in the playoffs, like they don't deserve to be here, and is it because the roster change on Huma caught him off guard? like I, I don't know what it was. It's just the teams that won were the better teams that day, and now unfortunately, we're dealing with teams that I feel are weaker overall than than those other two teams so it's It's interesting to say the least uh, of what we're looking at uh coming into the European promotional tournament
0: well. I want, to, I want to touch on those two teams really quickly because te- people that maybe didn't follow the Challenger playoffs uh, are still going to be interested in this just because there are LCS teams and there are LCS spots on the line. The first thing you have to understand about Inspire Esports a series is they did look like the better team as a general rule. If, if you just went by gold, they were actually ahead in three of the five games when the games ended. That's not how you decide who wins a game, obviously. But their macro play was superior from start to finish. They lost because they let Wurlip's Jax through in twice. That's that's why they lost. They lost two Jax games and then one game straight up, which was a really, really weird one as a as a general rule, in which Inspire was still managing to take down towers even as Holy Phoenix went ten, one and thirteen on Kogma, because of course he did. It it, it was just one of those things where I feel like Imperial beat themselves by disrespecting that Jax pick, by disrespecting the split push pressure that Werlebb is shown on that champion, and it is that kind of pocket pick for him. He plays it better than anyone I can think of in Europe right now, and that's just the kind of mistake you can't make. When you're ahead You know, and, and going into match four, why let that Jax through? Make them beat you twice without that pick. To me, it was that kind of mistake. But the entire series, even as Huma won, I thought Inspire played a better best of five. They just couldn't pull together those match two and match four victories. Millennium, on the other hand, I have a harder time justifying having them in the bracket just because the way they lost, even after such a great regular season, was embarrassing. They got beat three games in a row. And not only did they get beat, they got outsmarted Every step of the way, in game one, they somehow, against a poke composition, picked a team with no tanks. How do you pick a no frontline team into a tanky pokey composition from Wolves? How do you do that? How like the Riven last pick is such a disrespect to Wicked as a top laner that you know you kind of had to expect that they would lose. And then in game two they somehow hand over sivir lulu janna and nidalee in the same draft i don't know how you do that sivir was third rotation how how does this happen i don't i i literally cannot understand how millennium gave up that many power picks that perfectly work into a single composition archetype so well and then in game 3 they went for the draven because of course they did so I don't give Millennium the same credit I give Inspire. I do believe Inspire was the better team than Huma at that tournament. And I am, it, it's disappointing to me that we're not going to get to see them. But at the same time, Huma does have some interesting things to them. So I am still very interested to see how this goes. But we should start, Walter, with the elimination round. Giants versus the Copenhagen Wolves in a best-of-five loser-leaves-town match. I gotta ask you, do you think Giants have come together enough to pull off the victory here?
1: You know, I'm not sure how I feel about this series. Because I feel like if any of the, the LCS teams are going to slip up, it's going to be Giants. Um, either against Copenhagen Wolves or or against whom if the Wolves aren't, aren't strong enough to beat them. Um, there's a possibility that that the Koreans just aren't going to integrate into this team. Uh, there's possibility that Pepe is just just gone. We got one good split of him, and that's it for his career. Um, I, they replaced Hustlin, who, again, they replaced their bot lane, and I thought didn't think their bot lane was really the problem over the course of the entire split. So at the end of the day, you've got one player that was on the starting roster coming into the split and Pepe, and he's the only guy left. Um, and, and they're going against a team that has... You know, a couple of veterans in in Wicked and Pinoy, they're you know LCS veterans, and a couple of wild cards. Even though Koo didn't really work out on Giants, now he gets to have kind of a revenge game and, you know, prove to them that, you know, they were wrong for ever replacing him. And I, I think he has a chance because I don't think Wisdom's champion pool is very strong. Yeah,
0: I will say it is interesting that Giants went that way. It almost feels like this was the piece that the Copenhagen Wolves that really just helped pull things together for them. It was a jungle presence that they were actually able to make use of. Cadrill is really good at lockdown, hard CC kind of mid laners. We saw some really great Lissandra games from him that I'm expecting to see again. And Wicked can still split push pretty good. Uh, I thought his trundle was good. I did not care for his tank play, as a general rule. But at the same time, I'm not sure Smitty J is the guy to punish that. I'm not sure that Wisdom is the guy that's going to punish Koo right now. You would expect XPeppy to win the lane against Cadrill, but that's not been how XPeppy has played recently. So what it really comes down to for Giants, I think, is you have to hope that Sonestar and Hustlin, a bot lane that has played together literally twice now, can beat Pinoy and Sir Nukes a lot, which, you know, I'm not sure is as difficult as maybe the way I phrased that sentence made it sound. I don't think Sir Nukes a lot is a great support. He His Morgana's fine. I, I, I think he had a couple of really good bindings, but overall, I didn't think there was a lot of depth to it. But... I don't know. It's it's such an interesting series to me, just in terms of whether or not the wolves can continue to play the way that they ha- they did in the challenger series, because they three oed millennium. Even if they got great drafts, three o is hard to do against a team with as much talent as millennium has, and they took whom to five games in a way that I, I really did feel was a back and forth series. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Wolves won here. I just wish that they had more macro play behind them. Because it does feel like this team just skirmishes for the sake of skirmishing a lot. And if Giants can keep their head on straight and not bite on some of those sillier, messier fights, I do think that Giants can take this. But Walter,
1: where do you think the line is on this series? Because there is a line. I, I'm actually surprised there's a line. Um, okay. That, that caught me a little bit off guard. I'm going to say uh, Wolves minus 160.
0: Very close. It's Wolves minus 130, okay. which I think is interesting. I don't know if I agree. I think just the Wolves, if you look at what they did in the Challenger series, they were not particularly impressive for most. Of them. Correct. I, I do think who helps, but I think Kadriel's champion pool is limited. I would be surprised if Giants didn't attack that a bit. I think a lot of it's going to come down to Wicked versus Smitty J. And if this is the Wicked that played in the Challenger playoffs, I think Copenhagen Wolves win. If this is the Wicked that played in the Challenger Series regular season, I think they lose. And that, to me, is what it comes down to. It's going to be a very interesting best of five. And the winner of that best of five play splice they did grab the eight seed there was some potential there uh, had they played the end of the season a little bit better they could have potentially forced a tiebreaker for the seven it was not meant to be they did not close particularly well they went one in five in their last six games of the season walter do you think that splice has enough together to
1: Ensure that they can beat whichever of those teams comes out of this first series. Oh, a- absolutely, um, absolutely. I-, I think they're definitely a stronger team. Wonderware. There were times where we would joke that he had like this incredible amount of resources pumped into him, and he would accomplish nothing. He was doing very poorly, but he did have a couple of games over the course of the season where he was he was really strong. He was really impactful, and it was mainly on on Gangplank. Um, Senkux has, has shifted more into kind of a utility focus, while so they let Wonderware try to carry. I don't necessarily agree with that, and, and against probably weaker laners in Cadrill and even Pepe, they really need to allow him to flex his muscles, allow him to control the lane, and and try and play through him and Wonderwear, and less through Kabe and Nisbeth. Uh, I think that's really where their, their strength sort of lies, and it's complemented pretty well against both Giants and Copenhagen Wolves. It takes a lot of the pressure off of Trashy and having to really control the enemy jungler because I think both Ku and wisdom are rather weak in terms of their early jungle control, whether it's their own camps or whether it's going out and ganking. So I think Splice would have this series pretty handily, I, I would say probably a three one and we'll see him back in the lCS, which is good for them. No way Yamato Cannon lets this team get relegated. yeah
0: no, I think this is a three zero to be honest with you, regardless of what team gets through. I just think if you look at where giants have struggled just in it playing like a team. you know These are a whole bunch of disjointed pieces and they haven't had a ton of time to get to know each other well. We did see them beat Rocket. I think that was more Rocket beating themselves at the end of the day, which, is, which isn't to take away from Giants winning a game. We, we should give them credit for that. But it, it wasn't anyone on Giants particularly shining with some sort of macro understanding of the game or having some crazy level of outplay. That's just something we haven't seen from them. Which we have seen from Senkux. We saw it a little bit from Kabi towards the end of the split. And Wonderware does have an occasional good game every now and then. I think, you know, one Senkux game, one Wonderware game, and one game where Splice reminds people that they can actually play a macro game is enough to take that first series. I would be very surprised if Splice was not able to or at the very least 3-1, whichever opponent comes their way. They are one of those teams that's getting better as the season went on, even though it wasn't resulting necessarily in wins. So I am excited to see them and and see if they can make that happen. The other series, of course, in the opening round is Rockat versus Huma. I'm going to let you take this one from the start because I obviously have very strong feelings that that bias me a little bit, but let's start with you. What do you th- expect from this series from both of these
1: teams? I expect Betsy and Airwalks to really flex their muscles. Uh, Be- Betsy, in particular, I think Betsy is arguably the best player in the ter- tournament. He showed that he is a extremely strong laning mid laner in the LCS. He you know took it to and he took it to you know pretty much anyone, and uh, a lot of it was the macro play in the later portions of the game around him. Uh, Rudy might give Airwalks a little bit of trouble because Rudy is also an early aggressive jungler like that, but I'm not sure Rudy has the the same level of coordination with his solo laners that Betsy does, and I think the majority of the series is really going to come down to Betsy and Airwalks yanking Godbro, who's been a a mediocre uh, mid laner and challenger split, just kind of over and over and, and building on leads for Betsy.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say two things here. Number one, I think that Huma is a little overrated right now, just because they got the top seed in the Challenger Series. Both of those were series that went to five games. Both of them required them to win games when the other team threw at Baron at least once. I think one of the series had it happen twice. I forget which one off the top of my head. And more specifically, and this is the thing that worries me for Huma as just an objective viewer of the game, Huma's early game is rough, man. If it's not Rudy making a play, there are no plays made. Warlib's landing phase is weak. Godbro's landing phase is really weak. Holy Phoenix and Jesui are not amazing in the early game most of the time. And so they were constantly finding themselves fighting from behind as teams would out-rotate them. You'd find them... Down three towers to one, very commonly throughout the Challenger series. And Rockat's early game is their biggest strength. They are very good at playing the macro game in the first 15 minutes. After that, things get a little complicated. But it just feels like, in a lot of ways, Rockat's strengths are Huma's weaknesses. On the other hand, as a Rockat fan, I am very concerned about Wurlib's ability to split push versus Freddy's ability to look like a professional player. That is a concerning matchup to me. I have not felt good about anything Freddy has done this split as a general rule. I think that Airwalks trails off quite a bit once the mid game rolls around, which Rudy does as well, but at least the rest of his team tends to do better in the mid to late game. Whereas, I don't think Tabs and Noxiac have necessarily proven that they are the thing that's going to fix their coordination problems late. I, I want to believe, obviously. I, I am a big Rocket fan. I always have been since the team first came in as KMT. I want this roster to be successful. I do think it's going to be closer than it should be just because I, I can see Rocket. Making the kind of baron throw that Huma has been able to capitalize on so effectively, which, by the way, is a skill. I know I use the word throw there, but being able to capitalize on those kind of mistakes is actually a skill that people deserve credit for, and Huma does that pretty well. And if Rocket doesn't win the early game strongly enough, then I think guys like Worlib, who can split push very effectively, might come back to haunt them. That said,
1: what is your prediction, and where do you think the line is? My prediction is that Rocket takes this series 3-1. to one. Uh, I think they are stronger across the board, and I think that the additions of Tabs and Noxiak, um, even though I really wanted Saphir to work out, and losing Edward was really disappointing, I think they were absolute enhancements of the team. And I think that that core, the players they have, other than Freddy, are stronger than the other four players of Huma, so it's going to come down to... Can Freddy just hold against the relentless Wurlip split push? And I, I think one game he he kind of messes up, but I think Airwalks and Betsy are really going to work on making sure Freddy's protected in the early game so he can just be a tank against Wurlip. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the odds are Rockat at minus 195.
0: It's lower than that. It's Rockat 159, which... I'm a little surprised by – I think it's going to be a 3-1 as well for the record. I know I just talked a little bit of doom and gloom about Rocket, but I really think that Huma got a lot of lucky bounces to get to where they are. That Inspire series could have easily gone the other way. I think their series against the Wolves could have easily gone the other way. If you're going to look for any value for this entire weekend, I really like the Rocket minus 1.5 handicap at plus 135. That's a 3-1 or a 3-0 going your way. I think that's meaningful. I think that's relevant. I know Huma's had two best-of-five series in a row that went to five games, but really, what are the odds they do it again, right? Gambler's fallacy? Anyone want to join me on it? No, (laughs) I guess not. We'll move on. I do have to ask now. We don't have, obviously, any more lines to look at. We don't know what the matchups are going to be because, obviously, we, we don't know who's going to lose in the elimination round. We don't know who's going to win the first qualifying rounds. But Walter... I guess we can phrase it this way. We picked Splice and Rocket to both win their series. Who do you think is the third team joining
1: us in the LCS next split? I'm going to say Huma, hmm. but I'm going to be right either way because Huma is not actually going to be joining the LCS. It'll be a different organization. I think that roster wins, though, against either Giants or Copenhagen Wolves. I agree with you. And I think that it really comes down to
0: neither Giants nor Copenhagen Wolves have a player like Rudy that can zone out the early game and, and make those plays. And I don't think they have anyone like Wurlib who can split push as effectively as he does whenever he gets the opportunity. I think the Wolves would be close. I think Giants, it's a terrible matchup for Giants. Because Giants I think it's are so, actually
1: awful for Giants. Yeah. yeah.
0: They're so uncoordinated early, and Wisdom just isn't the guy to to match Rudy tit-for-tat. So if we get the Wolves, I think it's going to be another very close series. I would like to see that series because I think that's the more interesting team. But who knows? Maybe this new look Giants, they've had a little bit more time. Maybe it comes together. At the very least, it's going to be quite fun to watch. I am excited to see how this goes. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast uh, obviously, you can follow us on soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes. If you search rough drafts under podcasts, you can follow us there. Uh, any review, subscription, you know, just hitting the stars on iTunes. All of this helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at RedshirtKing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you?
1: You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at slingshotesports.com. And I'm sure we're both going to be tweeting throughout the Challenger
0: Series, whenever we can. It's certainly going to be very interesting to watch. We will not have a second podcast this week because we do not have a North American Challenger Series to talk about. So come back next week where we will start breaking down the North American and European playoffs. We've got quarterfinals series next week, uh, Wednesday for Europe, Friday for North America. Get excited, and until then, goodbye, Internet.